0: we're uh, so blessed to have uh, Bram and Donna friends with us. Bram, why don't you come up? And as you're coming up, I want to just highlight your wife just for a moment. Sure. I'm sure you're good with sharing the spotlight. She's... she's uh, I I'm, I'm married way
1: up, so that's good.
0: Yeah, well, Donna actually works with... Uh, with, with uh, I always struggle with this one. It's, it's Go Global. Right, Go Global. And Go Global is part of a very exciting new arm of our global ministries, global advance, uh, and called Envision Canada. It started three years ago, and it is an opportunity for short-term missions, for internships and apprenticeships, and each one of them getting a little bit longer. And so Donna is part of the team of, of uh, working at uh, preparing candidates and uh, preparing people to serve. And and Bram- like, you've got a really cool title. You're like a vice president. <laughs> Does that give you any status, or do you just have to work harder?
1: I don't emphasize that at all. Okay. I just, I'm, I'm excited that I get to uh, serve uh, the, the churches, serve a denomination, and serve yep. our international workers that God yep. is calling. Inventure. Yep. Inventure.
0: Brem is actually the one who heads up <laughs> our global advance nationally and also globally. And so, Bram... Uh, we want to just uh, pray that you, uh, the Spirit will just free you up to share uh, what mes- the message that the Lord has for us today. Yeah.
1: Thank you so yeah. much.
0: Thank you so much.
1: Yes, good morning, uh, second service of Grand Prairie Alliance Church. It's good to see you all here. I see a Calgary Flames jersey. Boy, I used to live in Calgary, so I live in Toronto now. Um, we first visited Grand Prairie Alliance Church in 1989, just weeks prior to lunching with two small children uh, and traveling to the nation of Indonesia, the world's largest Muslim nation by population. This church was one of the three churches that sent us out, and uh, we're so thankful for that. Now, I haven't been back until this weekend, and uh, so it's been 30 years, and we are so grateful uh, for the invitation from Ruth, and we've met uh, many of you folks And uh, it's just been delightful to be here together with you. It's always an honor to open the Word of God. There's nothing greater than to open the Word of God and to invite the Spirit of God to lead amongst us. And so, Spirit of God, would you do that? Would you strengthen these moments by the presence of your Spirit? Would you draw us into the truth of your Word? And would you give us the capacity to see in new ways, hear in new ways, Respond in new ways to say, yes, we want to be part of your kingdom purposes. So come now and anoint every aspect of this time of communication from your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, you may not know what the Christian Mission Alliance is all about because we have new people coming in all the time into our churches. And for those who don't, let me take just a brief time to explain what we do globally. So this is kind of the 30,000-foot view. You are one of about 435, 440 churches in Canada uh, that uh, link together as the Christian and Missionary Alliance. uh, We are linked through a prayer, and I believe we're going to be praying that later on in the service. Oh God, with all our hearts, we long for you. Come transform us to be Christ-centered, spirit-empowered, mission-focused people, multiplying disciples everywhere, everywhere in Grand Prairie, beyond Grand Prairie, in other parts of Canada, and then around the world. When we look at our world, we have made a commitment to completing the Great Commission by going deeper in Jesus and going further on mission. And so we are committed to be on mission together, everyone, everywhere, all the time. And so the Great Commission is important to us, and we go to the hard places, to the most spiritually neglected contexts, with uh, the message of Jesus' hope providing access to Him and to the Gospel. And so, as was mentioned, we have five S's that we divide the world into, but we're integrated and so we're, we're working on c to c which is the Pacific to the Atlantic. It's Canada, and the host of people groups making this nation their home. The Esnes, the nations, are coming to Canada in unprecedented numbers. International students, refugees, regular migrant peoples. And these are rich opportunities to bring them into access to Jesus. The Asian Spice region is most of Asia. The Silk Road region is Europe, Middle East, and Central Asia. The Desert Sand region is West Africa and North Africa. And then the Caribbean Sun is Central and South America and the Caribbean. We have about 250 international workers serving in close to 40 countries of the world, just from Canada. And so today we are thrilled that we have teams and places and just newly placed in northern Iraq in just the last year. Five people working with the Yazidis in northern Iraq. We have uh, a new team that is in Senegal, part of the Jaffrey Initiative, working with the Fulani and the Wolof people in that nation. And uh, we have uh, people working with the Arabs in Egypt that have just joined that initiative. We have people working with the Tibetans in Nepal and in many other aspects. Uh, new discernment on how we re-engage in the nation of India. And so, in short, we are a global pioneering missionary movement, and I think it's helpful for you to know that from the, from the broad perspective. And our unique role in this, as has been mentioned, is to provide leadership for this whole piece that we call Venture. Working with the least reached people groups, almost 60 of them, and uh, engaging with the global diaspora that God is uniquely, in this time and age, actually bringing right here to Canada, right into Grand Prairie. We had, uh, we had a meal uh, together. It's where I met Rod at Shushi's or Shishu's, and, uh, an Indian restaurant. And the lady that uh, took our order has only been here for one year. And she speaks really good English. And I kept thinking, how many more just like her could be brought into access to Jesus. And so we can summarize in just three words what we mean by venture in the Christian Missionary Alliance. It's to bring, you guessed it, access to Jesus. If anyone says, what is your Alliance Church about? You just tell them, three words. We're about bringing access to Jesus. That's what we're about. The Apostle Paul stated it clearly. He said, it has always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known so that I would not be building on someone else's foundation. Rather, as it is written, those who were not told about him will see and those who have not heard will understand. And Paul's whole point was um, there are people that get introduced to Jesus. The church is planted, but the church has to keep pioneering to new places because we want to bring back King Jesus, completing the Great Commission. A.B. Simpson, the founder, expressed it this way, exactly what Paul was saying. He said, this movement stands for a commitment to reach the most neglected field, to avoid the beaten tracks of other laborers, to press on to the regions beyond, and instead of building on another man's foundation, to preach the gospel where Christ has not been named. And so, not that we're dwelling on our history at the expense of moving forward, but we are an extension. This is in the DNA. I like to say that we are a denomination uh, that is on mission. We are a missional denomination, and yet we long to be restored and renewed and to be a movement responsive to the work and the voice of the Holy Spirit. So we are a family of people growing in intimacy with God whom we worship with all our heart, soul, strength, and mind, and who live into a faith to make Jesus Christ known. Yes, that's the great commandment. The Westminster Catechism, it says that man's chief aim, chief end, is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. This is the core of the New Testament. This is the core of our lives personally. This needs to be the commitment to a posture that always places God first and foremost. And all that we endeavor to do becomes then an outflow of people who are in worship, who are in intimate relationship with God. Well, we are to also be a family of people who discern the heart and the plans of God and then faithfully and obediently engage as agents of transformation in moving God's plan forward, especially among the least reached peoples. People with little or no access to Jesus. That's the Great Commission. And those two things taken together, the Great Commandment and the Great Commission is really what we're all about, and what every believer should be all about. For God desires that none would perish apart from the love of God, First Peter 3.9. And so we are filled with joy in being able to walk with individuals uh, in this way as together we seek the heart of God. So let's break it down a little bit. What do we mean by access to Jesus? Well, access has both an inward posture as well as an outward posture to it. I want you to think about this for a few moments because this will not maybe occur to you naturally. So by inward posture, I mean this. I make my heart accessible to Jesus as I invite Jesus to have access to my heart. You see, it involves an inward posture to actually look to Him, to reach to Him, to want to be changed by Him, and when we do that, He actually responds. Draw nigh eye unto me, and I will draw nigh unto you, the Word says. In, the inward posture is all about a reverence for God developed through a heart given to intimate worship, a heart posture that truly believes that God is going to do the right things that He has said He will do. And this inward posture is absolutely foundational for having dynamic faith, the right kind of faith. Well, then there's an outward posture, and in in talking about the outward posture, it's this, I make my life accessible to others as I invite people to experience Jesus who's at work in my life. So, that happens by going, by intentionally engaging people, and when we do that, we are bringing people into access to Jesus. These three simple words should describe the outflow of what we live for personally because of all that God has launched in inviting us into himself. Well, let's look briefly at uh, a dynamic kingdom encounter from Scriptures. I think it brilliantly illustrates this concept of access to Jesus. And so, if you have your Bibles, turn to um, Luke chapter 19, the story about Zacchaeus. And you may not have read this story and put it into this kind of context before. So, let me read it for you. It says, he, that's Jesus, entered Jericho and was passing through. So his intention wasn't clearly to be there. He was intending to pass through. And there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small of stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. Now, how many of you have sang that course in Sunday school about Zacchaeus up in the tree? Yeah, yeah, we're familiar with that. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked down and he said to him, he looked down, take note of these words, and he said to him, hurry, come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down, and he received him joyfully. And when he saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be with the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood, and he said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. And now the key verse of Luke, and perhaps the key verse of the Gospels, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. We see the kingdom stage being set in these verses. It's just a regular day in Jesus' life, and perhaps today is just a regular day in our life. And in the kingdom of God, there's two dynamic things that are always happening concurrently between at least two people. As God advances His sovereign and and internal plans to redeem mankind, He is at work in people's lives. So Jesus enters Jericho with no intentions of staying, passing through. But Jesus, full of the love of the Father, is always ready for a kingdom encounter. And there was the man, Zacchaeus. Not by chance, but by God's sovereign design. A very unlikely kingdom candidate, because he was a chief tax collector and very rich. So this could describe almost any day in our lives we move about, not necessarily with specific plans as to whom we are going to meet, who we are going to engage with. But you see, God is sovereign. The kingdom worker needs to be all about bringing access to Jesus. And so we ask the question, who are the people that are ready? And I would like to suggest they're often not the ones that we would think of in the natural. In verses 3 and 6, now that the kingdom encounter has been set, the stage has been set, we see that a kingdom moment emerges. It's a divine encounter that takes place. Zacchaeus was seeking to see Jesus. That's the very words. An inward posture, you see, is emerging. And this is really important language throughout this short little narrative. Now, after General Assembly this past year, uh, we had a unique opportunity to be on a road trip that took us uh, uh, to Toronto from Alberta. And we decided to visit the little town in Saskatchewan where I lived until age 11. How many of you people have ever lived in Saskatchewan? I'm sure there's more than a few. Yes, and we still cheer for the Rough Riders, right? Yes, absolutely. So this is where I was brought into access to Jesus. Now I'm pointing in a direction and behind me is another building and you see a Sunday school began to emerge and children were being brought into access to Jesus and I know several who live in the Grand Prairie area who were also brought into access to Jesus and in that town hall where it started, it emerged and we see where it emerged to. This is Ormiston Baptist Church, and my dad started it as a, a car dealer, a Olds car dealership. As a layperson, this work was begun, and this young boy was brought into access to Jesus. And the book of Zechariah says, never despise the small beginning of things. You see, you never know what God is going to do, but whatever God starts, He builds onto. I love this moving story of Zacchaeus, and I can identify with him in several ways, especially someone being rather small in stature, just like Zacchaeus. I don't stand up in the crowds. I stand up, I just don't stand out in the crowds. People don't see me. But you see, God is at work in people's lives, and we don't know the ones that he is at work amongst. And so another key question is, how do we view the people that are around us? The story provides two perspectives of a man. Zacchaeus, he was from Jericho. He was a Jew. He was employed by the hated Roman colonists. Zacchaeus plied his trade in one of the most abhorred professions among fellow Jews, not just a tax collector, as bad as that could be, equated to being a sinner, but a chief tax collector, rich. And therefore, he had distinct social status, and the people abhorred him. The system for tax collection that Romans had in place employed ambitious individuals, and Zacchaeus was one of those. But their salary came as a percentage of all that they kept from what they collected. And so people could easily be taken advantage of, and I'm sure Zacchaeus had done exactly that. And you might say, the human spirit would say, he deserves to be hated. Unfortunately, that's the attitude of the crowd. But he had a real need to know God. And despite his riches and his social position, he had heard about Jesus. And we see that he was looking to Jesus to see Jesus and for Jesus. And he saw Jesus out from a large crowd and with a focused intentionality and a persistent either this happens today her or, or perhaps never urgency to it and amidst significant obstacles <laughs> his shortness of stature he is unable to fix his eyes on Jesus and so he runs on ahead of the crowd and he climbs up into a sycamore tree and Jesus finds him and look at the text it says, he looked up. Again, the emphasis on the eyes and on sight. He looked up, and he invites them to come down and to go to his house and be with him. Jesus wanted to stay with him, the abhorred sinner of sinners. In verses 7 and 8, we see that kingdom dynamics are incongruent with crowd dynamics. The crowd of onlookers, they miss the entire kingdom transaction that has just happened. The crowd wondered, where is Jesus going? Really, to Zacchaeus' house and to eat with him? How could Jesus dare to do that, to go into the house of a great sinner? And the crowd wondered, where is Jesus going? Why is he doing this? And there's many things that we can learn and apply from this story. Here's just a couple. Everyone deserves an opportunity to know Jesus and to be brought into access with Him. You see, regardless of social standing or circumstances, the need is natural and it's universal. Augustine, one of the great church fathers, declared that in the heart of every person is an empty void in the shape of God that only God can fill. I believe that is absolutely true because God has created us. And it's not just ethnic groups that need access to Jesus. Social classes need to know about God. And we often put in very little effort to reach these people for God. And some go through life looking privately to find what their heart longs for. And others like Zacchaeus, they go out very specifically to find Jesus. And studies have shown that up to 60% in Western nations of successful people Seemingly humanly successful are associated with sects like the Freemasons. They're looking for something to fill the void and empty places in their hearts. Well, this story also reveals—sorry, this story also reveals the cultural view that people take of the Zacchaeuses all around them. Now, stop and think for a moment. What's the application here in Grand Prairie? Who are the potential Zacchaeuses that we would know and have had contact with? The crowd of religious Pharisees saw Zacchaeus as a Republican sinner, a publican sinner. He was not Republican. (laughs) Now maybe he was. There's definitely sinfulness in that phrase. He was bad, he was to be avoided, even pushed away, and in Asia, where we have spent the bulk of our ministry years, ethnic groups are treated this way by others of differing ethnicity. You know that. People in India are all categorized according to caste, never able to socially transcend their caste. But here in Canada, many of us are living in a cultural view that has similar parallels. Is there racism in Canada? Is there prejudice in this great tolerant nation of ours? Oh yes, there is. Immigrant peoples might make it through our borders and our immigration system, if they are fortunate, but many are tragically rejected or spurned or ignored by the very people who could bring them into access to Jesus in our neighborhoods, in our society, where they have finally arrived and become established. I wonder if the lady at the restaurant from India has yet had anyone bring her into access with Jesus. How about the homeless? What do we actually see? And I'm speaking to myself just as much as I am, and the word is to all of us. We see beggars. We see freeloaders. They are taking from the state. We don't need them. We want to avoid them. We would walk along the other side if possible because we don't want to see a hand stretched out for a handout. And if we simply adapt to a crowd mentality, we just become culturally assimilated into thinking like the crowd, we are reflecting the lenses of life seen through a culture that is giving in to misunderstanding and to fear. We are missing the very opportunities to bring access to Jesus. What we don't know is that they may be looking for better circumstances with open hearts to be embraced and empowered with the love of the one who can change them. If we just see them as poor or dangerous or threatening or confusing, we keep extending that selective cultural view. It's not a kingdom view that Jesus shows us. And in verses 9 to 10, we see that the kingdom's message and purpose is clearly affirmed through Jesus, the faithful servant. Most profound in this kingdom narrative is that this story is all about the perspective of Jesus. Jesus tells him in the crowd that today salvation has come to this house, for he also is a son of Abraham. And you might look in the passage and say, where did he pray the prayer of salvation? Jesus knows his heart has changed. He's already said, I'll take half of my riches and I'll give it to the poor. And if I've defrauded anyone, I'll give them four times what I've defrauded. He's going beyond the requirement of the Jewish law at the time. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Yes, a sinner, but the Son of Abraham and who showed faith and desire to see Jesus and to be saved by the one who could meet his needs. And so we see a divine kingdom encounter. Being the servant of God, engaging in the Great Commission, prayerfully assumes that God is at work. That's the external, the outward posture of God towards all people, calling people to himself. He does that through ready and available servants of God like you and like me of which Jesus of course is this perfect example. For the son of man came to seek and to save that which was lost. This is the core dynamic of the kingdom. This is the core of this story and this is the core of the Jesus follower that would live into true kingdom values. Well, there's three key principles of an inward outward access to Jesus posture. It's all about the right kind of obedience being a part of seeking and saving the lost. You see, God is always drawing people to himself. That's what God does. He he wills that none should die without an opportunity to know. God is always drawing people to himself. And Jesus is always seeing beyond what others see. That's the amazing thing about the narratives of Jesus and the Gospels. Are we able to see in kingdom ways as Jesus sees. And we reflect kingdom values as we pray, prayfully, prayerfully bring access to Jesus. You see, as followers of Jesus, we are the hands, the eyes, the feet, the voice of Jesus in the flesh. Mother Teresa was asked a question by a journalist. What is your motivation of sacrificing yourself for the children of the street? And she said, when I see someone, it is not their color or religion that I see in them, but I see the image of God. That's what I see in them. I have a kingdom friend. He's an evangelist to Muslim people. We lived in Bandung amongst the Sunda people. And Dave was there when there was not any known believers amongst the Sunda, same population of all of Canada. Wow. And David would come back day in and day out and tell me about someone that was seeking Jesus, who had just stepped into the kingdom of God from this Muslim background people group. And I said to him, Dave, what is it about you that you see people respond And he stopped and he said, Bram, I can't explain it. I see the kingdom of God in their eyes. Wow. And I said, explain that to me. Help me to understand this better. He said, as I move about in the crowds of Sunda people, I'm praying this prayer. God, I have limited time. You have brought me to this place. You are at work sovereignly. Show me the people who you want me to invest my time with. And he says, I'll look into eyes, I'll look into eyes, and I'm drawn to a set of eyes. I see the kingdom of God in those eyes. Just two years ago, uh, I was in Senegal as we were doing the Jaffrey Initiative, laying the foundation for it, and I met in Senegal a man named Mackie who was brought into access to Jesus in Libya by a man from Rexdale Alliance Church who was a school teacher. He lives in Toronto this day. Now David McCollum, this friend of mine, had an opportunity to build in the life of Mackey. And as I talked with Mackey, this Senegalese man, he told me that he had been shaped to become an evangelist out of his Muslim background by these two individuals. While he was living in Libya and going back to Senegal, he was now an emerging leader of a former Muslim background culture. What was it that brought that dynamic interplay that kingdom moment of transformation. And I suggest to you, it was the kingdom of God, seeing the kingdom of God in people. How will we allow God's Spirit to mold us into true kingdom servants? I want to conclude with a word of prayer. And I believe that God is speaking to all of us. I have a huge heart to see as many people serving out there in the othermost parts of the world, joining these 60 people groups and new ones that God leads us to. But I have just as passionate a heart to see our congregants all across our nation having exactly the same attitude you see as believers we are all on mission together. Everyone, everywhere, all the time with the people that are around us. Father, as we bring this message to a conclusion, I know that you're speaking to our hearts. And Father, I know that you have a plan that is so much larger than what we even can comprehend. You're bringing literally hundreds of thousands of people from the very nations we want to contact here to Canada. And Father, we can engage them right in our communities. And we are already engaging some. We're engaging the, the homeless here with, uh, with rising upwards and, and wonderful initiatives like this. But Father, we want to be more sensitive to the work of your Spirit. We want to be more prepared, more ready to say yes to the people that are around us, right here in our community, right here in our church, right here in this part of Alberta. And as we do that, Father, we know that we will multiply initiatives all around the world. And so, if God is speaking to you here this morning, I I want you to actually take a moment and be willing to step into a fresh willingness, a step of obedience in hearing His Word. And this is not for me. I'm just a frail instrument in God's hands for this message this morning. But if God is saying to you, oh, there is ways in which you can anticipate the work that I'm doing with the people in your workplace, the people in your school, the people in your neighborhood, the people downtown, part of the city, the migrant people that you come into contact with. If There's a willingness to say, oh God, help me to have the posture that sees people the way that you see people. I'm going to ask you to stand. Can I ask you to stand? Yes. Oh, thank you, Lord. You're speaking to our hearts as a congregation. Oh, Father. Thank you, Spirit of God. Oh, you want us to be on fire. You want us to be a flame, a flame for you that burns in our hearts to see people brought into the access of the one who is the transformer of our lives. Oh Lord Jesus, we thank you that your word is powerful in our lives. We thank you that Jesus is such an amazing example to us. We thank you, Father, that we will be distorted by the cultural way of seeing things if we don't have your kingdom sight. And so give us a fresh and a new that inward posture that longs for you so that we can be the presence of Jesus in the lives of others. And then give us, Father, that outward posture that as we move about our community, we will look into the eyes of people with that prayer that says, Lord, who do you want me to invest time in because you're already at work in their lives? And Father, prepare us to be absolutely shocked and surprised by the very people that you bring us into contact with. And so I pray that your spirit would move amongst all of us in this congregation and in this community of Grand Prairie by your grace and for your amazing glory and all God's people said, amen.